It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We discussed Joe Mixon's future in Cincinnati on yesterday's show. Joe Goodberry is back today to talk about another player that could be out the door. Jonah Williams has requested a trade. Let's go over his strengths, weaknesses, and if he'll play right tackle for the Bengals this season. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi again, everyone, and welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. No Jake Lisko again today, but Joe Goodberry is here. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And like I said, this is a throwback to the throwback of Locked On Bengals. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe on YouTube, follow wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive on in because, Joe, we talked about Joe Mixon yesterday. Today, it's Jonah Williams. He requested a trade. He wants out, set to make $12.6 million fully guaranteed, and I'll hammer that, fully guaranteed this season. And so he wants out of Cincinnati after the Orlando Brown Jr. deal leaked through Kelsey Conway. Someone did in Jonah's camp, it has to be, that, uh, it, you know, he was unaware or, uh, of them pursuing Orlando Brown Jr. and was caught off guard by it, blindsided, I think is the word Kelsey used, which made for some fun moments on social media. But let's just start with Jonah the player. Where do you stand on him? Because, and I've said it multiple times on this show, if you're telling me Jonah's the right tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. is the left tackle, you have Cordell Volson, Ted Karras and Alex Kappa on the interior. I feel pretty darn good about that offensive line. Yeah, sign me up for that. And sign me up for knowing who your five starters are in March when this, you know, when yes. the deal happened. Like that was like appealing to me, very appealing. Like going to the draft. I don't, you don't need to draft a guy. You draft anyone. Now you've upgraded the depth, which was a huge issue the last two years. So, you know, I really liked that idea of Jonah moving. I think it's interesting you brought up how he was blindsided and how that was reported or leaked, you know, a couple, a week or so after the the deal went down. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if that was almost them saying, Jonas Camp, that is, saying, yeah, we may have reacted out of emotion or initially yes. saying trade us because Maybe. we were blindsided by it. We didn't know this was happening. We were like, oh, you know, we thought we'd be the, in a contract year when you're 25 years old and you're the left tackle. I mean, you're in line to make some money if you can have, a, a decent year, even an average starting year. We saw guys get play, get paid this offseason who are average starting tackles. Now, I think Jonah had a below average year, but if we take the last three years, I would say he's an average starting tackle in the NFL. He would be in line to make a good chunk of change. So you would feel a little bit blindsided and maybe personally hurt at the, at the idea that now you've been replaced and have to be moved to right tackle. But I think a lot of people would say, well, then play better and be more durable and you don't have to worry about being replaced. I would say as of now, Jonah. So what do we what, if he's an average tackle and we know the prime years for an offensive lineman are 25 to 28 years old, right? It's usually that second wave, that second contract where you're fully physically mature and you And he's still up, young. 
25. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So he's just now entering his prime years. His best year should be ahead of him. And I feel like we've said that a couple times in the last couple of years. So it's like starting to, you know, not hold as much water anymore when you, when you project these things. But Jonah, when we look at the 13 sacks, we look at how he's been beaten. We look at all of the other, you know, 1,131 snaps he did that he had this year and judge him based on the last few years where he's led the league in sacks now pretty much two years in a row, but he's still been a fine player. If you use pass block efficiency, if you look at PFF grades, he's still starting quality player. Last year was below average. As we've said, I think the Bengals wanted the durability. They wanted the size. They wanted the strength at left tackle. They wanted somebody there that they didn't have to worry about getting beat as quickly. Or the one thing I don't think, outsiders have mentioned that when you watch Joe Burrow in the pocket, he will often slide to his left as he's dropping back. He's very often closer to Jonah than he is to the right tackle uh, when he's in, in the pocket. And that's I just must be a comfort thing with him, maybe a trust thing with him. He trusts Jonah a little bit more. But when Jonah gives up that pressure and it turns into a sack, it's be, I think sometimes it's because Burrow's a little close to him, but I also believe it's because he doesn't have that size, strength, and athleticism to win in that second and third phase which is why the Bengals felt the need to upgrade at that position. He gets knocked back, right? He does. I mean, that, that's, that's part of it. And the size, the size is a good point because when Frank Pollock got here and returned to Cincinnati, and he wasn't there for the 2019 draft, but came back, one of the first things he said is, oh, we got to get, get Jonah bigger. And he wanted, he wanted Jonah to put on some weight. And I get it. I understand that. And so now you have a guy in Orlando Brown that makes sense at left tackle for – at least the Bengals. I know some other teams might have some beef with that. But you mentioned the sacks, and that's been what's really taking social media by so- by storm. I don't think Jonah was good in 2022. There's no denying it. I-, I don't. And yet I can also remember a world where last year when the Bengals were retooling their offensive line, no one was worried about Jonah. And it was, man, really the only hole is – Left guard, will it be Jackson Carmen? Should they draft? And I was on the Linderbaum train and moved Ted Karras over. What, what should they do? And that was the discussion. It wasn't, man, Jonah isn't working. And I, I think some people forget that. And the Bengals don't. I know first that they do not. And I think they look at it like, it may stink for you, but right tackles got paid this offseason. Move to right tackle and show the NFL that you can be durable and play at a high level around some – some other good players, and, and you're going to get paid this offseason or next offseason, excuse me, from one of these teams if it isn't us. And he's played right tackle at Alabama. When he first started in college, it was at right tackle. Now that's it's a long time ago now, but he has done it in the past. I think it's more of a thing where pride still wants to put these guys at left tackle, uh, seeing how much more left tackles get paid versus right tackles, wants him to go to right tackle or left tackle, I'm sorry. Same reasons Orlando Brown Jr., wanted to be a left tackle. Jonah wants to be a left tackle. Can Mike McGlinchey, can he be Mike McGlinchey though? Yes. Because Mike McGlinchey got paid and he's an undersized right tackle. Kayla McGarry got a decent deal. He got a little bit less than I think some were projecting, but like he's better. I think Jonah's better than Kayla McGarry and who got $11.5 million a year. So if you're in line for 12 to 15 million, I think even at right tackle, and we saw Jawan Taylor, who's been a career right tackle, get moved to left tackle, it, it appears. Uh, so, like, you can go play one year, Jonah, at right tackle, be durable, have a bounce-back year, which I think would be two qualifications everyone's looking for. Uh, if you got back to what the way you looked the previous two years, plus 
stayed healthy like you did in 2021, you will get paid. You'll get your money's worth. So I think there is that aspect where there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but also does he want to risk in a contract year? So the same reasons why you'd want to stay at left tackle and get paid. Do you want to risk moving positions because it's a catch 22? What if you do perform well? What are NFL teams going to say? Oh, he's a right tackle. He's actually not a left tackle. He's had his best year at right tackle. We were right. He's not a left guy. And then that, that comes and then the trade part plays in. What if you go to a team that's like only willing to play you at left guard? Will the Bengals facilitate that trade? Would they agree to it? You know, or would they, or would Jonas say, I don't want to do that. I'd rather play right tackle than left guard. But it guard. doesn't matter. He doesn't have a no trade. True, true. But could, could he approach them and say, you know what? I'm, I rescind here. If you guys are just going to take a six round pick, right? Like the Bengals are like, fine, we'll get the money off. Cause it's, you get all that money back. We talked about dead money with Joe Mixon. There's none of that with, with Jonah Williams. If you can trade him, you get that entire salary back against the cap. The Bengals would. So at some point, you may just say, I'll take a fifth-round pick because I'll get that money back. Now, I don't think the Bengals would. But in that scenario where the other team's like, yeah, Jonah, we're going to play you at left guard and try and extend you to a contract because that's the other part. The other team probably would like to extend him and lower that cap hit would he agree to that to play a position that is generally less paid or, or a new position anyway? You know, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot there. And, and it starts with the Bengals being willing to trade trade Jonah for less than they are now. Because I think it's easily a day two pick asking price. And they may be asking for a second rounder. Because mm-hmm. they usually value their guys more than you, me, or the general public do. And if you didn't make that clear, I think they value Jonah. They just saw an opportunity to upgrade. They, no doubt, I think they value Jonah. And they honestly probably said, man, you've played through some injuries this past year. We think you're going to bounce back. Feel pretty good about it. Now, $12.7 million, there's a reason not to feel as good about it. But let's dive into what could happen in the draft, how that could impact Jonah. And, and continue to have this discussion because I think there's a lot here. We'll do that coming up next. But today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. And Ultimate Football GM is the best mobile game out there. Why? Because you get to make these decisions, whether it's about Jonah Williams, whether it's about Joe Mixon, whether it's about different draft picks, and you don't want to take a running back high in the draft, even though Bijan Robinson is staring at you in the face. You can do all of those things, make all of those decisions, hiring coaches, hiring coordinators, adjust the finances so you can make sure you pay Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and all of the top Bengals players, Jamar Chase, of course, as well. It's a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is perfect, and you don't need Wi-Fi for it. You don't need service. All you need is the app. You can play it offline, which means it's perfect for flights. And Locked On Bengals listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in all capitals in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps. So make sure you check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app store. Again, that's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Joe, let's continue to have the, the conversation here because let's assume that the asking price for Jonah is high and teams are just laughing. Do you think that the Bengals would drop that price a little bit if they're really high on Dewan Jones and take him 28th? Or if they're able to get you know, Darnell Wright, who to me looks like a plug-and-play right tackle, I'd put him there this year. I would not let him sit behind Jonah. I, I think it would be a great pick if you're able to get Darnell Wright at 28. Would you drop your asking price, save that cap money, and, and move on for Jonah for less than what you're asking for right now? Yeah, that's Jonah Williams could be a day two, day three, draft day trade, draft weekend trade, right? Because if that scenario played out where they take a right tackle, and this class has a lot of right tackles, which is interesting, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is not always the case. Uh, if you find a plug-and-play guy, and even Dewan Jones, for his flaws and faults, I would think would be a plug-and-play right tackle as well. He has more issues than Darnell Wright, but he's going to survive in similar ways that Orlando Brown does at the tackle position. So you could see that spending a first round pick saying, we're going to play this guy right away. Now you go into day two of the draft and maybe you're still saying, all right, we were asking for a second, but how about a third now it's day two. And you know, jets are still on the clock in in the third round and they haven't gotten their tackle yet, but we got Jonah for a third and then maybe it doesn't materialize. And yeah, I would keep dropping my asking price because at that point, you could, you're basically selling that $12.7 million cap space for a draft pick because you don't need Jonah because you have a, a replacement. So what is that pick worth to you? And honestly, that at, at some point, the pick value versus the cap value is going to meet or even outweigh, like I can get $12 million in cap space for a fifth mm-hmm. round pick. And that's what I was alluding to where it's at that point, it's worth it. That $12 million can go towards T Higgins or, or Joe Burrow, or you could probably put, split 6 million between each one of them. And it, and that would cover their 2023 cap hits after an extension. So uh, I do think that's when it happens. That's the scenario you laid out. Yeah, I, th- I think if there is a trade, and if I had to wager today, I would bet that Jonah Williams is the Bengals' starting right tackle week one. Too. But that's the scenario where they look and they say, oh, we have this cost-controlled player that we had a really high grade on. And I really only think it happens in round one. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Blake Freeland is going to give them that freedom or insert whatever – you know, the, the, the kid out of Syracuse. I, I don't think any of those guys are going to give them the, oh, let's just move Jonah. I will say Dewan could be there that late. If Dewan Jones is there at 60, they may say, let's just go with the Twin Towers approach. Exactly. We know what we're getting. We know what we're getting at the tackle spots. They're big, they're physical. Because if Jones, you're right. I mean, he's, he's the Orlando Brown Jr. of right tackles because he didn't test. Yep. He's huge, but he wasn't expected to test well, but he didn't. So there's a, a question there. So I agree with you. And the way he kind of answered questions about not weighing in and showing that apparently he showed up a little bit late and left the senior bowl, you know, after one day, I think some teams are kind of like, yeah, let's, let's see. The Bengals drafted Andre Smith in the top 10 after his 40 yard dash. And people are gonna be like, yeah, he was a bust. Actually. I think they would love to have Andre Smith level oh, yeah. right tackle play for the next four to five years. Um, so yeah, I, I think Dewan Jones, if he's there at 60, whew, then it gets real interesting, right? Move up to 50 for him, the way they did for Cam Taylor-Britt last year. Well, they moved up from like 63 to 60 for Cam. 
Yeah, it was just 60 small. to 50. But no, yes, I, I same idea. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as Jonah's concerned, so we agree there that he's more likely here than not. They could trade him. Does the asking price meet things? Okay. Let's dive a little bit more into him, the player. I know you did some, but like people think that he's like this turnstile. Right. And I don't see that. I don't think NFL teams see that. His agent certainly doesn't see that. If he was a turnstile, guess what? The agent would not have came out and, and requested a trade. I promise right. you. He's, you. You have to have some self-awareness. And, and I think his camp does. And they said, ah, all right, well, we, we want out. All right. So how do you view him? You mentioned average, the word average. I think he was above average in 2021. I think he's been hurt a lot. I think he got dinged up at the end of 2020, obviously played through some stuff last year and couldn't finish the season. So where where are you at on Jonah Williams, the player? Let's throw money out of it. Let's throw all this other drama out of it. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to expectations. I had a whole conversation, a podcast I did, where I just talked about expectations when you draft a guy and what they what that guy can turn into. You know, do we think this guy's a future pro bowler, cornerstone player, Hall of Fame type potential? Potential gets thrown around. I don't thrown around a lot this time of year. I don't think we fully grasp how to measure it, right? So offensive linemen, traditionally through the years of of doing draft work, you have to be an elite athlete and have decent size at the very least. The you have to be an elite athlete because you're nine out nine point nine times out of ten the edge rushers, the top edge rushers in the league are elite of the elite athletes. They're probably the freakiest players on the entire football field from a height, weight, speed standpoint, defensive ends are. You're asked to block these guys and block them for 59 out of 60 plays is, you know, if you win out of on those and give up a one sack on a third down, people are going to remember that one sack. So Jonah, when he came out, was an average testing athlete with below average size. It's a reason why a lot of teams – looked at him and said, I think he's a guard. I, you know, I don't think he's a, a, an offensive tackle. Some teams even thought, can he play center in the NFL? Uh, so mm-hmm. when you – he on tape, he was probably a top six or so player in that class. He goes at 11 at a premium position because a lot of teams didn't have him as a tackle. The Bengals drafted him, and the expectations at the time should have been he's probably going to be an average starter, and if he can become a master technician – he can become a good starter. Never probably a pro bowler or Hall of Fame level talent. He never was that. So I think if you realize those expectations, he hasn't missed them by much of what he was supposed to be. Now, the durability has been a big issue in the total picture. But when you look at Jonah Williams, he struggles with guys that are longer, struggles with guys that are that are powerful, more powerful than he is, because you're right, he does get blown back. There was a sack getting pushed around on Twitter against Isaiah Thomas where that was the Browns. That was also the nightmare um, Halloween game where Isaiah Thomas, six round rookie beats him with a, mm-hmm. uh, a long arm chop, you know, uh, kind of a ghost move. Cause he pulls it away at the right time, knocks the hand down, beats him around the edge. Jonah, you see him turn around quickly, like grab his helmet because he's shocked at how quickly he gets beat. But when you watch him, he leans in, plants his feet and tries to dig an anchor because he's expecting the power move again, something that Isaiah Thomas did the last three rushes against Jonah to set it up. And so he's aware of his power limitations. He's aware of his of his strength limitations, and he's fighting against it in order to be a serviceable player. And I think even last year we saw, and it was right around the time the first kneecap started healing up, so halfway through the year where I thought the O-line as a whole started to gel, Joe Burrow started to take less sacks. You know, that's part of him as well. Uh, 
when he started kick sliding really wide and getting out on rushers very quickly, exposing himself back to the inside where you've got a rookie fourth round division two FCS level player. So I think that hurt him a little bit having Volson there. Uh, it had it been a veteran guy like Quentin Spain the year before, he may have been more comfortable with the inside guy, but he was getting out so hard and so quick to get his hands on these rushers faster so that they couldn't build their speed to power and then get underneath him. And I thought through halfway through the year, I'm like, Jonah's starting to click. He's starting to get into his stride of, of what the Bengals need at left tackle. And then he got hurt again. Everything started falling uh, apart around them again, and you know, right before the playoffs. So I think, what do you got with him? At best, he's an average starter at this point. But the durability probably hurts his value around the league and in the eyes of evaluators around the league because he's just an okay blocker, run blocker. I thought he was a better wide zone offensive tackle in terms of blocking. I think two years ago, 2021, he was the best run blocker on the team. Last year, when they go more gap power, it made him look worse. So again, we talk about Joe Mixon not fitting. Joe Jonah Williams may not fit at tackle for them as much anymore either. But I will say this. In his three years starting, at no point has he been – anything other than the best tackle on the team. That was with Bobby Hart on the other side, was clearly better than Bobby Hart. Riley Reef, I thought he was clearly, and in in Jonah's best year was better than Riley Reef was, who was serviceable mm-hmm. for his 10 games or whatever it was. And then last year, Leal Collins, who was supposed to come in and be that guy at right tackle, Jonah was clearly better than, Jonah, or than Leal Collins. I think at times, for most of the year, Jonah Williams was still their third best offensive lineman out of the five starters. People are going to rip you to shreds for saying that, Joe Goodberry, but we will continue the conversation coming up next. Today's show also brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And the NBA playoffs are almost here, which means it's the perfect time to get your no sweat first bet. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And what's a no sweat first bet? It's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So if you wager on LeBron and the Lakers or Steph and the Warriors, or the Sacramento Kings. Look at them winning the division. You can, and if you lose, that's all right. They have that no-sweat-first bet to catch you. You can also take a chance at an even bigger payout with the same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 at FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Joe, let's keep things rolling here with the the Jonah Williams conversation. I don't think that's crazy. And I think that in this social media world, group think becomes even easier and it's like oh jonah williams is bobby hart or jonah williams is i mean insert andre smith playing left tackle which is a thing that happened at the end of his career which is just unbelievable to think about or is is cordy glenn or you know insert whoever you want to but i don't see that i i think that he was playing through injuries and much like joe mixon in 2020 
you get injured, you're not going to be the same guy. And Mixon wasn't able to play. Williams was able to be out there. And then he got hurt again. And so that's how I think the Bengals view it. Genuinely. I, th- I think good player. We picked up his fifth-year option. We're going to move you to right tackle. We think you're going to be really good there. I asked Frank Pollock about it. He thinks he's going to be able to do that. I know there's some on social media that say, oh, well, that's like switching hands while you do things, all of those things. Okay, fine. It might be. But the Bengals certainly think he can do it, and they're paying him guaranteed money to do so. The guaranteed money factor is something I really want to hit on because these teams that would be interested in him, they have to take all of that on. The Bengals aren't going to say, all right, well, let's split the difference. They're not going to pay Jonah Williams $6 million to play elsewhere. I got news for it. I mean, have you ever seen them do that? I haven't. No. And I don't think they would do it here. No, I think other teams might explore that option. Uh, but that's not sure. something the Bengals would do at all. Yeah. You're right. Uh, and, yeah, and I, I do. I, I would challenge anyone to say you've got, uh, you know, five months or so, four months to prepare Jonah. Challenge listeners to brush your teeth with your left hand or the opposite hand, whatever hand you may be. For the next couple of weeks, see how long it takes you until you you're proficient again. And that that's a mundane task. You're not, you know, fighting off a 275 pound freak, Miles Garrett, while you do it. But that'd be fun to watch too. Put that on video YouTube. You get a lot of hits there. But <laughs> point in being here is yes, wouldn't be much of a fight. No, it would be interesting. You'd get that toothbrush out of your hand pretty quickly. Point is yes. uh, that that 12 million right. I think that hurts. His trade value. Now a team no could doubt. add void years onto him. They could extend oh. him, but anyway, I think an acquiring team is going to want to lower that cap hit. And if the Bengals aren't willing to eat any of that, then yes, it's going to be in the form of an extension. Which, as of right now, so like let's say we're the Bengals trading for Jonah Williams, everything we know about him and everything that that, that he's been. What would we feel comfortable giving up for him? And what would we, how much of an extension would we be comfortable giving him? Mm. Honestly, I would be like third rounder for a starting tackle because you can't draft a, a starting tackle in the third round typically. It doesn't normally happen. It's first two rounds or nothing. And you're really rolling the dice at the end of the second round. Uh, and then what would I be willing to pay him? In the Caleb McGarry to uh, Mike McGlinchey range, maybe that's 12, 13, 14 million for like three years. I don't want to, go, want to go five years and really hamstring myself in case he continues to have durability issues or really up and down play. Uh, that would really hurt the value in the future. But uh, I think the other part of this is we've said the Bengals value him probably more than the outside world, but we've seen how fan reaction happens. Anytime a player uh, either talks about being franchise tag, wanting to be extended, wants their money or asks for a trade in this scenario, the fans turn pretty quickly on that guy. But I think from the Bengals' perspective, that asking for a trade is probably more out of character for Jonah than anything that they've seen in his four years. Like where they're looking at him like team first guy that'll play through injuries, super smart, super positive usually. Like he's he's what you want in that O-line room mentally. And so I think we can't forget that part is why the Bengals would probably, even if you only get a fifth, fourth round offer, they're gonna say no and they're gonna they're gonna line Jonah up at right tackle. Yeah, I just I think unless they get that guy in the draft and more than likely would have to be at 28, I think that that's what they do. And the other part of this, you mentioned Lyle Collins. He's coming back. I don't see a scenario where Jonah and Lyle are both on the team. Now, maybe you keep money. Lyle. Yeah, maybe you keep Lyle if you trade Jonah and you save that money and, and you look at it as, hey, this is insurance for our, our rookie right tackle. 
but I, I just, I don't see the, the scenario. So if they do decide to stick with Jonah, I think the writing, while they haven't made that decision yet with Collins, the writing is on the wall for him. Yeah. I think they have time for all of these things. You could wait yeah. until after the draft. If a team doesn't get the tackle they want, it's a good tackle class, but it thins out very quickly in round two. Uh, if, if you don't get the tackle you want, you may be more interested or more inclined to call about Jonah. And the Bengals have time to figure out how healthy Leal will be. So even if they, is the other part is right, if they draft a starter at right tackle, that then someone else probably isn't getting their starter and you trade them, as we said, on draft day or draft weekend. And then you see how healthy is Collins, you know, bring him into camp. If he gets healthy earlier than expected, if not, if he goes on the pup list, you bring him off that halfway through the year and he's now depth and doesn't cost you very much because you miss half the year. I think that is is a scenario where all options are on the table with all these, but they're in no rush. I don't think they have to make a decision now unless someone comes and knocks their socks off with a trade offer. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I'm trying to think if there's any other angles. Is there any other angle or thought that you have on this situation? No, I the idea of having all five starters, though, going into this draft, I was asked on Twitter a couple of days ago it, of the main positions that we've seen mocked to them, which one do you think is a scenario where they don't even draft it? And I would set offensive tackle like in that scenario where they get there and the guy's just turn out rights, not there. They don't think Anton Harrison can move the right tackle. They get to round two and Dewan Jones is already gone. They don't think highly of Matthew Bergeron. Neither do I. Uh, they don't think high enough on Blake Freeland. They just don't get the guy and it just moves on. And it's a Kimadenji type pick in the fifth round where they take a shot in the dark. Well, then now they're not trading Jonah. Like, I don't even think you could offer them enough to trade Jonah at that point uh, coming out of the draft. You better come through with something significant for them to move on it. Because at that point, we've talked for years now about solidifying the offensive line, solidifying five starters, having a good enough line in front of Joe Burrow, where I honestly, if you ranked them, and I think you'd feel the exact same way, but it'd be uh, some combination of Orlando Brown, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras is the top three, probably in that order. Jonah would probably be your fourth best starter, and then Cordell Volson would be the wink link on the offensive line, but hopeful that he takes a step in year two. So you're not going to trade a guy that isn't the weak link or try to replace a guy that isn't wink link after the draft if you didn't get the guy you wanted. Yeah, I think I think the Cordell part of it is interesting because they've stunk at drafting linemen, and they were able to get a guy that I, I think that has a chance to solidify that left guard spot. I'm not saying I saw enough yet from him but if you would have told me when they drafted him like this kid from North Dakota State's going to start and he's going to beat out Jackson Carmen and play the way yeah. he did I think I think everybody would have taken it now does he take another step you're right I think that's the part that's interesting because if he does I think he can be that guard for the foreseeable future if not then it's like okay well is this a discussion moving forward so and for the same reasons we sold Jonah and why the team probably values him more they probably think the exact same way out of Cordell Volson, right? Like character wise does all the right things is the tough guy. Yeah. They want mentally, you know, brings lunch pal guys bring as a good asset to that room. They, and also a GM probably looks at it this way. He is a cheap asset. The Bengals are going to need as many cheap assets as possible. Once the borough extension hits, he is one of them. Like, I don't think they're in any hurry to replace Cordell Volson. It would have to be a scenario where, man, we're sitting here in round two and Osiris Torrance is still there. He's the best yeah. player on our board. Let's take him. And now I you fall. figure it out. Right. So you yeah. figure it out from there. Yeah, that would be. If he's there at 60, then something has went crazy that we did not expect or anticipate. You, you don't like the Berger- draft scenarios where you end up with a, a center guard type guy, a Tipman or, a, you know, where that's still there. And you're like, you know what? 
Chipman round three earlier this week. Um, yeah. The kid out of Ohio State would be interesting too. Um, yeah. What, what were you? Uh, so you not a fan of Bergeron? Just real quick, you said that kid. I've got State. him right. I've got him like a fourth round film grade. So like he's a lot of Jonah. He, uh, he doesn't have the length and bulk and anchor in him. I think he's a good enough good enough athlete. He's not going to be the biggest tackle. He's not going to play with a lot of strength. Sometimes he's. He's still very slow and late to react on a lot of things. Stunts and twists. I think his hands still need a lot. I think he's a project. I think Mm. he was the worst player on a good senior bowl group. And he was the worst starting offensive lineman of the five that were there. Darnell Wright was the right tackle who stood out instantly. But like in comparison, they're not even close. I don't think he's a plug and play starter at all. Bergeron is. And I think he's got limited upside. Yeah. And the limited upside part it makes you want the Blake Freelands or the insert, you know, whatever guy. If I can, I did a a thing on Bengals on the brain, James, you may have heard that show before, where I I, I did a segment on Blake Freeland and I think Freeland could go in round two. I think he's projected for third. Some even have him as a fourth consensus puts him in the end of the third or middle of the third round. So the years we've been doing this and grading these guys out and grading these guys out and building up a formula, Anyone who grades 80-plus at offensive tackle, the latest they've been picked is pick 72 in the third round. So if the Bengals did like him, it would have to be at 60. And I think Freeland played the first two years at BYU at right tackle. He played the last two years at left tackle. If you use PFF scoring or grading, his pass block efficiency, how often he gives up pressures and sacks, the lowest of any guy in this class, and he's six foot eight and tested like an elite athlete. Honestly, he reminds me of like a Brian O'Neill, who's the starting right tackle for the Vikings, with a little bit of uh, Colton Miller, who's the starting left tackle of the Raiders. And the thing about Freeland that, one, you could sit him behind Jonah. I still mm-hmm. think that would be it. But he could add that weight, and it has the yes. size that Pollock is looking for. That's so the other part. He's six eight, but three oh two ish. Yeah, I mean, my God, I mean, he's. If I was six eight, I'd be three fifty. Like he's thin for for a, an offensive lineman of his stature. So you you have him add twenty pounds, and I think he could easily carry the twenty. He's pounds young still. He's not an older guy. Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting. It's it's going to be fun. I and I I think we're both in agreement that Jonah, the favorite to be right tackle, but that could change. With one pick, you mentioned Bengals on the brain, which you can catch uh, on Cincinnati Bengals talk every Tuesday with Joe Goodberry at eight o'clock. You, you also, your Twitter subscribers, tell everyone. I should have done this much earlier. Tell everyone what they're getting with this Joe Goodberry Twitter subscription at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Yeah, so right off the bat, it may sound weird to subscribe to somebody on Twitter and and you know throw five dollars a month at them, but the idea is to uh, help out your favorite content creators give them the ability to make more of your favorite content, to go deeper into things. There's a lot of projects that I've wanted to do over the years that either didn't get approved by editors at The Athletic or other places that I've written, or maybe James says, nope, we can't do a show on that, Joe. You're right, that never happens. But the point is that I can do more of it. And I can, there's sometimes I'm breaking down film that uh, is great for the show of like Bengals on the Brain. But then there's other times where I only have TV copies and we can't post that stuff on YouTube, right? So I'll do an eight-minute video and keep it for subscribers on my Twitter page, and I'll break down that player because it's not something I can post anywhere else but Twitter. So make sure you check it out, at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Joe, this was awesome. Back-to-back days, throwback to the throwback of Locked On Bengals, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do this again soon, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on the past couple of days. Thanks for having me, James. I'm sure we'll get together either on draft in that weekend or right after. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about that. For Joe Goodberry, 
I'm James Erpine. Jake Lisko is just fine, by the way, but Joe subbing in the past couple of days. So uh, until next time when it'll be Mock Draft Monday yet again, I'm James Erpine signing off for now. Thank you so much for listening and watching the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.